Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Life Outside the Box podcast. Thanks for being here. Today we are going to talk about motherhood. We're going to dive in real talk, real fun. So get excited for that. But first we're going to introduce ourselves in case you have no idea who is talking at you right now. Um, I'll go first. My name is Laura and I am the mother to one daughter who will be four in just over a month, which is wild. Um, and one word for me right now that sums up my motherhood experience in this moment, I'd say would be adventure. All right, um, Taz, you go next. Hi, I'm Taz and I have three smelly, dirty little boys of eight, five and two. And one word that describes motherhood for me right now is chaotic. Maggie. Hello, um, I'm Maggie, and uh, I am stepmom, step Maggie, as I'm sometimes referred to, um, and Mama Maggie. I go, I go by many names. Um, I've got two beautiful stepchildren. They are also smelly sometimes, and uh, they're the oldest of the bunch in this crew. Um, my stepson is uh, 10 years old, going to be 11 this summer, and um, my daughter is eight years old. And the word that would sum up my motherhood journey at the moment is play. Love it. Short and sweet, kicking it off. And now we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into today's topic. So today we're going to be talking specifically um, and probably also off topic, but primarily about modeling. So what does that mean to us? What does it look like as a mother? Um, examples in our lives and kind of just going to go from there. So I guess we could start by just of talking about what does that even mean what do we mean when we talk about modeling what do we talk about what do we mean when we talk about modeling in the context of motherhood um anyone want to kick off there maybe your yeah. thoughts on what modeling well, is well um i have some thoughts <laughs> well my thought is like that we all have quite a unique um experience here because laura you have a daughter i have three boys and maggie you have a daughter and a son so i am just making assumptions but i feel like we all have very different kind of maybe definitions on what that looks like and maybe some things that are also the same uh, for me what does modeling look like as a mother uh, something that i'm working on right now is to be involved with what the boys are interested in. And I am going to tell you that is really hard for me. Like I have no interest in sitting down playing Lego. I have no interest in getting in a wetsuit in cold Santa Cruz and jumping in the waves, like full honesty. I love being in the water. I like being in warm water. I hate putting on wetsuits, but I am really, really trying to just kind of meet them where they're at. And, and it, it doesn't mean that I have to do this all the time, but um, for me, modeling that, like just being involved in what they're interested in is, is just like a form of love. And, you know, when someone shows interest in what you're interested in, it, it, it just shows like that they love you. And even if you know that they're not interested in it, it just, you just feel kind of all nice and fuzzy inside because they're showing interest. And, uh, the reason that I kind of have gone this direction with this, you know, the specific topic is we were at the beach one day and um, it was kind of cold and windy and I'm, I'm pretty forceful on making my boys get in the water regardless. I'm like, you got to get in the water. And, and they did, and they were playing and they always have fun. Cause that's why I make them because they always have fun. And then Oaks comes out and he was like, mom, 
you forced me to get in the water and you didn't even do it. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, you're totally right. I totally didn't. I'm like a big wimp. Um, and so I guess for me as a mother, I want to show the boys that what being a woman and a mother is, is like just getting in there and getting dirty with them and, and doing all the fun things and not just being the mother who's in the kitchen cooking and the person cleaning and well, you just go out there and have fun with your dad or you just go out there and do, you know, like I want to be a part of their fun too. Um, so because I am their only example, one of their only examples of what a woman is. And so that's, that's one of the things like, that's just an example, but I'll, I'll pass it on to you guys. Um, that's super neat Taz, because I feel like I have, um, like almost the opposite, um, situation. Uh, so I don't know if I was like a little boy in another life, but, um, I love Lego like a big time. And, um, my, my son has always been a really big Lego fan and I have pushed all kinds of fun things on him that I like and that he was lapping right up. So I'm always knee deep in star Wars conversations and Lego. And every time he got a new set, he refused to do anything until I could sit down and do it all with him. And we would, we, yeah, we've, we've built the death star. Like we've had, we've had quite a lot of Lego experiences. And um, now that he's going on 11, um, he's really transitioned into video games and he's actually very, very good at them. And it's a lot of fun to, to watch. Um, but I love video games too. And um, so we've been connecting over that for the last couple of years and, and uh, yeah, so we're like, you know, we've got a, a sweet island in Animal Crossing. It probably doesn't mean much to you, but um, so that's pretty fun. And, uh, and, and I think um, it's always been really important to me that, that they feel like um, we can relate as parents to what they're doing and what they're going through and that we're, we're genuinely interested. And there are moments, you know, when there are a million other things that I would rather do than build Lego. Um, but it does help that I enjoy that. I guess I just am, I'm lucky in that sense. Um, but I do, I do find being a, a part-time parent that, uh, I do have the luxury of, of knowing when they're coming and being able to put aside a lot of my other commitments so that I can, you know, like my word is play. Right. And I've really been focusing on that, making sure that the time that, that they are spending with us, that I'm interested and invested in, in what they're doing too. Um, so yeah, that's been a big priority for me. Um, and while at the same time, I think it, it, you know, we talk about modeling, right? Like having it go both ways, you know, what are the things that I'm interested in and can I, can I bring them into that too? Um, and so at the dinner table, like I will share with them the book that I'm reading and what's going on in the book I'm reading. And they're asking, asking me different questions and things, because, you know, if I'm going to get down on the floor and play Lego with you, then, then let's talk about the things that I'm interested in too. And we can share that experience with each other. Um, yeah. So it's just neat that you say that Taz, cause I feel like I have, I have a little bit of the opposite going on. I love it. I love that you love Lego. We're not there yet. Eve hasn't asked for Lego and I sure as hell have not introduced him, but I'm sure the day will come uh, for us. It's a lot of like coloring, a lot of imaginary play, which I'll be super transparent. Like I'm not that good at it. And it's because my brain is often in a lot of different places and something that I'm working on. And so I appreciate that she um, kind of keeps me 
working on presents all the time, but I'm just like the little, the babies and like, I'm today, I'm, I'm the daddy and she's the mommy and this is baby and makes up the names and like all the, just making the little things talk is, um, something that's a work in progress every day, but I, someday when she's 20, I'll be really good at it perhaps. <laughs> um, but a, a big piece of modeling for me, I'd say right now, um, well, there's, there's many, but one that comes to mind to begin with is modeling the importance of taking and creating space to feel. Um, something that's been a huge part of our parenthood journey since Evie was born is, and I've had a lot of growth personally because of that as well, of just ensuring that we are always creating space for her to be able to always safely express however she's feeling. Like there's no wrong feelings. Um, and if she's feeling sad, then we'll, you know, we always want to make sure that we stop. If she's crying or really upset or worked up, like a big thing for us is never just being like, stop crying, you're okay. It's always like, okay, I can tell you're upset. Um, and I want, like, tell me about it. And so that's required a lot of work on my part because a lot of my life I've pushed down feelings um, or run away from them or gone to do something fun instead or moved into a van and traveled or whatever it is. Um, and so having her, I wanna make sure that I'm not only holding space for her feelings, as often as, you know, whenever I, it's the appropriate time or whenever she's got feelings that she needs to share, but then also ensuring that I am modeling that not only for myself and making sure that I always am expressing how I'm feeling and communicating really is I think what it comes down to. Um, but then also for my husband, making sure that I am modeling to her that yes, her feelings matter. So do her dad's, so do mine. And so we're really, um, focus a lot on communication and making sure like, you know, at the dinner table, I was asking, what was the highlight of your day today? Okay, what was the challenge? And creating open space to always be able to share those things. Um, so I it's super important. I think as a parent, I want to be able to always, I want her to always know she can come to me with anything that's going on. Um, and also as a human being, being able to communicate your feelings, um, I think is a really, is really powerful something that's, that's missing oftentimes. So that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to modeling over here, for sure. I have a question about that. Do you think mm -hmm. that it's in our nature to want to focus on and teach the things that we feel that we weren't taught or that we feel we're in areas <laughs> where we feel we fall short, just because you had mentioned, you know, that like, it's something that you struggled with mm -hmm. and yet it's something that you're focusing on. And I, I find that interesting. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think my mom's going to watch this. I love her dearly, but she was the kind of parent who was always at every game, showed up for everything, signed the permission slip, you know, was, she was there present always. But I felt like I had, like, I still to this day, she's very uncomfortable talking about feelings or I never calling her the first time I had sex and being like, mom, guess what happened? And she was kind of just like silent, like didn't, wasn't upset, just didn't know how to emote at all. And I know it stems down from, she was one of seven and like did not have parents who were tuned into how she was feeling and so I think it can either go like you become kind of like that or you want to be like the opposite and I'm like Evie tell me everything <laughs> so we're finding a good balance and you know and when she was itty bitty it was like whenever she had emotions whatever they were we always held space but now that she's getting older it's also like holding that space knowing that it's always safe space to come talk to but also understanding like there's there's places so as she gets older than weaving that in too it's like yes your feelings are valid and we want to hear them but maybe like you know in the middle of wherever we are in the moment it might not be the best place to like fall on the ground and so just not that she does often but this is kind of a hypothetical example um so as she gets older we know that we want to ensure that she's always can share how she's feeling but also understand places and times and people and like where that is safe and 
or appropriate or where it might not be. So, um, yeah, because I will talk about my feelings to anyone who will listen. Sends us, he's <laughs> like, we don't even know them. <laughs> We do now. Yeah, I <laughs> now think they know everything about us. That's, um, that's a really good question. And I think like it's something that I've reflected on a lot uh, with like how I want to be, you know, specifically for my kids and the whole like I'm the only uh, woman, you know, the, the most important woman right now in their life. So I feel this huge responsibility to, um, to kind of be a certain way. But then on the flip side, exactly what you said about, well, they also need to to kind of respect and to show you some space on who you are. And that's, that's something that I'm only just coming into realize now because it, I can't be, I can't be all of it. I can't be the mother that does everything and who jumps on the trampoline with them five times a day. And then also jumps in the pool. And then it was also reading to them and also playing Lego. Like I just can't be that mother. And, and I don't really want to be either, you know, because I have my own things. I'm ambitious. I, you know, need a lot of space. I'm, I'm quite the introvert. So um and i think uh like portraying that to them in a way that they can hear it and respect it is also really important um but then on the flip side i also wonder like with all this like modeling that we kind of perceive that we're doing like how much does it really matter like i know it matters um you know obviously if we're like <laughs> total assholes then our kids are going to be assholes but like do we overthink it is, is what I'm wondering. Like, do we, as mothers, do, you know, do you think, do you think our, our husbands or our spouses, do you think they have these same feelings that we do, like, of our every move? Do you think this is something that's very specific to motherhood that we feel like this huge responsibility for? Or is it me? Is it just me that feels this huge responsibility? I know I do, but I also know my husband does. And I don't know if that's because of how much we talk about it. Um, but he's definitely very aware of like, but I think we focus on a little bit on different things where I'm like super hyper-focus on like um certain things like the emotions and he's on board with that he's really focused and dialed in on like he wants to make sure that he's setting her up to feel like he, she can always protect herself and like kick someone's ass if she needs to and um own her body and a lot of like body autonomy and um never no one gets a hug unless you are okay with it like all of that which are, again I'm super on board with that too but I wonder if there's a little bit of, you know, I think that there aren't gender rules by any means, but I think that it's been interesting to see some of that play out in our world where I'm like, your voice matters, make sure you're heard, your feelings count, uh, self-care. And he's like, no one gets to touch you. You are strong, <laughs> protect well, that body. <laughs> there's a lot for a three-year-old to take in. <laughs> but we do it by modeling, not by telling her to do those things. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so how do, how do you do that by modeling? How do you tell a three-year-old does he like when you go to touch Rusty? Is he like, no, Laura, this is my body? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and with, want... that, with, the, with the modeling stuff, I think it's more we tell her, like, and we'll model if someone, if a family member or whoever was like, give, give me, like, give grandma a hug, we'll always say, if you want to. Right. Or like, give me, right. give me a kiss, you know, or, or would you, or we'd let her know, like, or would you prefer to do maybe knuckles or like, uh, you know, a high five? So we model a lot with um, how we like, kind of tend to the situation when those things come up we would never say yeah give your grandma a hug it's always like if you if, if you want to so it's kind of reminding her in that capacity and then conversations we have I guess about I mean because no Rusty and I <laughs> like to are intimate you know um so only in like we try to do it in like real life scenarios gotcha. versus like kind of like playing it out unless you know and with her too she, she went through like a couple weeks where she's like I don't like kisses 
And so I didn't kiss my kid. I, I would go in and then I, she'd be like, I don't remember. I don't like kisses. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. And then it passes. But like honoring her even in that capacity um, with how we treat her too. That's really interesting. I know um, to your question, Taz, like uh, I'm def- I definitely feel really, really mindful of what I model to my stepchildren. And I think, I don't know if it's different because I'm in this different role that I feel super, super mindful of, of how I, how I present myself and, and the way that I talk about my choices. And, um, but I also know that my husband really cares about, about modeling to his children and he, um, and for him, it's a lot about, um, a healthy lifestyle. And he's really focused on, on fitness and nutrition and living a really healthy lifestyle. And so it's really important to him to, to model that and to, to teach that. Um, so that he, cause he really feels like I want to make sure that they, they, they always know that even if, even if I, you know, all, all I eat is goldfish crackers for lunch, my dad always encouraged me to have some cucumber with it or, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's really important to him. So I think he, he definitely does carry some of that. I don't, I don't think it is mother exclusive. Um, but I do, I do know that it, I've seen it come up a lot with other mothers and talking about, about the impact that, that their behavior and, and the choices they make are having on their children. For us, one of the big things that, that we, from the start of getting together have always tried to model to our children is, um, is what an open and healthy, loving, intimate relationship looks like. Um, and as you can imagine, you know, having him, having been divorced, obviously he, he wasn't at the end in a healthy, loving intimate relationship, um, as you likely would be if you are just about to be divorced. And, um, and so it it was really important to him that when the kids were with us, that they could see what it looks like to be in love and to be in a healthy relationship. Um, so we hold hands all the time. We dance in the kitchen, we kiss, we tell each other, we love each other. We talk about the things that we love about each other in front of the children all the time so that they can see what we, what we define as being a healthy, loving relationship. Um, and so that's been something that we intentionally try to model and, and, and bring to the forefront. We don't, we don't hide our, our intimacy, except the things that go beyond behind closed doors. Right. But do you think like that stuff you would do normally, right? Like, like you say, it's intentional, but I'm sure that every time you cuddle or hold hands, you're you're doing it because you want to like you're doing it because it comes very naturally to you and you love each other and you're not sitting there being like oh, we should probably do this right now so the kids can see that we're holding you know and i think that's that's more like specifically what i'm saying because like after you know with oaks when he was younger i remember having this conversation with pat like he would try and teach him all these things you know he'd be like and, and kids just, you know, we've learned, like kids just do not learn that way. They do not learn when you try and teach them something. They're not interested, especially if it's like a father or mother. For some reason, they like kind of push against it. Uh, we found anyway. But if you just go and do it and they're like wanting to hang out with you and they're like, well, I'm going to be in my shop. I'm going to go make a knife. And they're like, oh, I want to come. And, they, you know, yeah, you can come. That's cool. You know, you just like nonchalant about it and and they'll follow you in and like, you know, Ara does the same with me. Like he comes and helps me garden and I don't 
try and teach him anything unless he asks or unless he's going to ruin something, then I'll be like, well, you can't put the seed like 20 centimeters in the ground because it's not going to grow. And, you know, so, so there's a conversation around that, but I think we've come become a little bit more relaxed in those very like intentional, like modeling pieces because um, they're hard work and, and not to say that in, you know, like we're not trying to be better humans, for our kids because I think that is intentional because we can see the impact that we do have when we swear or something and the next day the two-year-old is like fuck and you're like oh okay I got it yeah can't say fuck in front of a two-year-old um but like this is like the example like the other day Oaks was at a lacrosse game and this is kind of playing to that the health thing that you were talking about like you know obviously that's very important in our household too and um he he come he, he got offered a a bottle of Gatorade at the end of the game and uh he was like oh no I'm good thanks like the coach you know gave all the kids Gatorade and and Pat was like oh you don't want it and he's like oh no no it's okay thanks and then they got in the car and Pat was like you didn't want to have the Gatorade he's like dad if I had taken that Gatorade mom would have killed you and it was so because like I've never like said don't drink Gatorade like you know he's just probably in the past asked about what's Gatorade and I've like, probably said something really like Snarky, like we just had that conversation like it's gonna kill you or something ridiculous like that but just like examples like that where you're not intending for them to like have these huge profound life-changing moments but they just they remember things you know they remember things and um so I think as 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 our kids get a little bit older like we've we're definitely loosening up on the things that we thought mattered um and like, you know, they must be playing sport by the age of five. They've got to be doing this. So we've got to model it. Let's go out and play baseball together, you know. But And then the things that do matter, how we treat each other and how we treat them and saying sorry at the right time and making sure that they hear that we said sorry to them and apologizing to our spouses when things happen. And um, yeah, so that's just, that's kind of just been our experience with, um, with things like that. Well, I think, I think it's, it's a, the modeling thing is interesting because I think it's sort of twofold. There's intentional modeling, something that you, you know, I'm going to teach her that her body is her own, right? And and how to say, I don't want to be kissed right now. That's not my thing. Um, and we're going to intentionally model that for her. And then the inadvertent modeling, right? And I And I think that that's really interesting because the things that we choose to intentionally model to our children are great usually because we've intentionally thought and I'm going to show them by putting the celery in their lunch kit that you should have greens every day. But, (laughs) but I think like what we are inadvertently modeling to our children is super interesting. And, and that is just like what they're absorbing from your behaviors, you know, and like that stuff always blows me away. And kids are so bloody honest that they'll just blurt something out about you. Like one time, July, my daughter was like, oh, all dad ever does is work in the yard. He's like, pardon? Like, I'm never in the yard. (laughs) She's like, no, all you ever do is work in the yard. And he was like, can you tell me more about this? Like, what what, what do do you mean? Um, But it's this like that they they're watching. Right. And, and so what are we, what are we modeling to them without realizing that we necessarily are? And I guess that's like to, to the way that we sort of feel like by being open about our relationship, 
together as husband and wife in front of the children, you know, like we're allowing them to inadvertently learn and absorb, you know, what it looks like to be in a healthy marriage. But like you say, we're not intentionally like, and now let's kiss in front of the kids so that they understand. But I think like, um, what's inadvertently happening is like my husband will say, okay, you know, everybody pack up your stuff. We're all going into the gym. You guys are going to play with chalk out in the parking lot and dad's going to get his workout in. Right. And what they're learning is, oh, well, that's really important. He makes that a priority. He makes sure that even though we're here and we all want to spend time together, he's got to go and and do his workout. So it's like, I think that that's, that's an interesting piece. It's like, what are we, what are we teaching them when we're not actively teaching them? Right. And I think as a mother, you know, like specifically as a mother, what are we teaching them when we don't think we're teaching them? And I think that's those little nooks and crannies that we, you know, as a woman and as a mother want our kids to learn, like, what are those things? Like, sorry, Laura, I think I cut you off a little bit there. Well, I think that segues well into like the self-care piece. I know self-care is a huge part of modeling. And those are the things that some women and moms, I've been probably have felt this at some point in the past, but I'm really, I feel like working past that at this point in my motherhood journey and my life in general is like this feeling of guilt for taking care of ourselves. Um, but I like to shift and we've talked about this in the past, the three of us is like the importance of self-care, practicing it for ourselves, obviously primarily for the the need to care for ourselves we're worthy of that but then also I see it as a as an opportunity to model when I when Evie's like wants something needs something but I'm in the middle of sitting down for instance for me a hard one like I consider sitting down for a meal (laughs) self-care and I don't feel like I'm I'm not eating to model I feel like that's one of those things of being the nook and cranny but I like to I find real joy in like preparing a meal building my plate sitting down undistracted and eating it um and I will happily converse with my family and all that while I'm eating, but I'm not going to also be like getting her dressed or fixing her toy or like any of that stuff. So when I'm sitting down to a meal, ideally we're all sitting down together anyways, but she knows that that's like time that's really important to me. Um, and so I have no problem saying you, just, you, you need to wait till I'm done with this meal or whatever it is, you know, whatever you need can, it can wait, obviously barring any emergency situation. Um, and like with, with Lucas, like going to the gym and, and not kind of, putting our lives on hold or our needs on hold for them, but instead looking at it as an opportunity and maybe a responsibility to continue to practice self-care as a means of modeling for our kids as well and seeing that they are also worthy of taking care of themselves as they get older. And even right now that that space is important. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think about that? Like what, what are some instances in your life that are, you know, could be, would be considered self-care, but then potentially you're, you're proud to be doing that or happy to be doing that as a form of modeling for your kids as well. Hmm. I think I need more boundaries. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I usually have a naked toddler butt in my face while I'm eating. I have three and I have one. So uh, there's also that, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I think like I, what I will say is like, you know, Pat is very good at creating those boundaries for his mm-hmm. own self-care. Like if he doesn't want the kids to do something, he will be very clear about it. Um, whereas I will fall into the camp of like, oh, it's just easier to let them do this right now, you know? Um, and, and then there's other times where I like put my foot down and I'm like, no, I need like my, my own time right now. But I think that it's confusing. I think that's confusing to them. And it's also confusing to myself by saying, okay, now you can do this thing and jump all over me, but 
maybe tomorrow I'm not going to like it. So then that's sending a really weird message to them. Um, mm. And I think for me, like self-care means removing myself from the space that they're in. So I'll have to like go to the garden or find a place on the property where they are not and they'll find me, but it might take them a little while. So maybe I'll like have my moment, but also like leaving the property, going and spending time with friends. Um, that's kind of how I'm getting around that right now. And they see that they see that I go, you know, go walking with friends or go see friends. And, um, you know, they're like, Oh, we want to come. I'm like, Nope, like very, I can easily say no to that. But it's when I'm in their space and we're all kind of in this big chaotic household together that I have a hard time with, uh, creating those boundaries and kind of self-care for myself. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge. One of my things that I do every morning that fills my cup is I write in my journal and it's usually like stream of consciousness. Like I had a shitty sleep. I'm looking forward to the day. Um, but then, you know, I might like think about the things I'm doing that day or reflect on something that happened yesterday or, um, and it, and it doesn't take more than 10 to 20 minutes. Um, but I love it. And it's one of the first things I like to do in the morning. And, um, my daughter wakes up at the crack of dawn. So she's always awake. And so, uh, once, you know, or in the early days, like I, um, a couple of years ago now I, I grabbed my journal and, uh, she kind of came over and was standing there with me. And I said, I'm going to sit down right now and write in my journal. I like to do that in the mornings kind of helps me get set for the day. I think about all the things I'm going to do in the day and sort of get my mind in the right headspace and get excited about my day. And she was like, Oh, okay. And then she kind of walked away and I was like, Oh, I hope like, I hope I didn't make her feel like she couldn't be with me or whatever. And I just kind of sat there for a minute and started writing in my journal and, and again, like, I was like, okay, here I am making a boundary. Like what I would be way easier is if I just like, didn't leave the bedroom in the morning and just wrote in my journal in bed, but I was up. And so I told her and a couple minutes later, she walks into the kitchen and doesn't say a word to me, but sits down at the table and opens up a little journal that she found in her room with a pen. And she was probably six or something. And so she starts drawing pictures of what she's going to do later. And she says, Maggie, how do you spell grandma? And she was going to see her grandma later that day. And, and so right away, she wanted to sit with me. And then, and then every weekend that they were with us, she'd come and say, are we going to write in our journals now? And she would get her little journal out and we would sit there together and she would put the date and she, and I just thought, well, isn't that neat? You know, I put the boundary up. I, I said, Hey, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I need. I need 10 minutes. And she was like, I got one better. I'm going to do this with you. <laughs> and, uh, it was so cool. It was so cool. But, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tough one when you are living in a house with a bunch of small humans to carve out that time and space um, and, and to ask for it. I think that there's a lot of guilt sometimes with self-care feeling like, you know, putting yourself first or asking for that time and space is, um, is not okay. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really tough. I love that so much. And I, I also will most of the time invite Evie in. Like if I wake up early, like that reminds me to jog my memory because I do my, my clothes in the morning. And if she happens to be up early, I was invited to do it with me. It's either like, you can either sit and like wait till I'm done 
or you can do it with me. You just can't climb all over my back, you know? <laughs> like, but then I think also sometimes we just need totally alone time or time that's not. Like with the cooking, I'll happily, have, if she wants to help me in the kitchen, sit down to a meal together, always welcome. But if she's, you know, if the boundary is, I guess, if she's gonna just mess with my, my me thing, <laughs> my self-care, you can come and be a part of it. You just can't mess with it. Um, and that's not, you know, all the time, everything. But and I also think, Taz, you said sometimes you have moments where you're like, whatever, you just climb all over me or do whatever, it doesn't matter. And then another time it, it, you tell them no. But I think it's also, that's kind of cool modeling too. It's like your capacity is different depending on the stresses in your life. And sometimes it doesn't bug you, it's fine. They can be climbing all over whatever it is. And other times you're like, I am just at, I'm at, I, I don't have it in me right now. So it's just a no. And it's because I like, you know, I try to like own that. Like I'm just having a, I can't play chase for the 12th time in a row this evening. Cause at this point, like, I'm just really tired. And I'll sometimes I'll tell them how I'm just tired. I just don't have it. And that's not all the time, obviously, but I think some of that self-care is also just like being honest with how we're feeling and when we need a break, um, taking it, even if we don't, we can't really put into words why we need it. I think it's still just knowing that that's still valid, that sometimes we need a break and it's okay to ask for that, I guess. Even if we didn't need a break from that thing the day before or whatever it is. Totally. Yeah. No, I agree with that for sure. And I think we feel more drained and like we need a break when we aren't doing things that fill us up and Mm -hmm. make us right. And so like, um, I own a gym and I'm always blown away by these amazing women and mothers who are like, ah, yeah, you know, I've got, um, I got a son, he's four. Is it cool if I just bring him? Can I just bring him while I work out? And, uh, I'm like, yeah, like as long as he doesn't go, can, can, can you say you sit here and he'll stay? She's like, oh yeah, he'll be fine. So they plunk the kid down. That's their one hour of iPad time that day. And they're like, this is important for mom. This is mom's time. And it's okay. You can come and you can be here. And now he's watching his mom do a big deadlift and ring a bell and everyone's clapping for her and she's stoked and she's high-fiving people. And he's watching her do amazing things and prioritize herself and her health and make space for that. Um, and I just think that's so incredible. And yet the next day I could meet with someone and say, Hey, so, you know, you want to come, you want to join the gym. And they're like, well, I got a four-year-old son, so I won't be able to come because I don't have the time. I, I, I can't come with him. Right. I, oh, and I said, well, you could bring him. Oh, I don't, I don't want to bring him, you know? And it's like, everybody's different. You know, you may, maybe your kid will run out into traffic. Maybe you really just want to drop your kid off somewhere and not have your kids sitting at the gym with you. Totally respect all of that. But I do think it's pretty cool when you see the opportunity to take care of yourself and use it as an intentional moment to model to your children what it means to, to, you know, to do what feels good, right? To try to live your best life. Yeah, I think my motto these days is like, <laughs> if I feel any like guilt around not spending enough time with my kids or not doing the right thing or saying the right thing, I always just think, yeah, They'll be fine. <laughs> They'll be fine. Like the thing is like, they will be fine. Uh, you know, I'm keeping them alive. They eat very well. They're not going to starve. Yeah, they do. <laughs> roof over their head. They have a warm bed. They know um, how to work a knife and a machete. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> they'll be fine. 
And I think like just that one sentence makes me feel a lot better for myself. You know, like if I've, you know, for example, now I've been on calls for like two coming on like three hours now. And that's a long time for me to be away from my kids, like on my computer, you know, like I, I will start feeling some guilt around that. And then I'll see them for a second. I'm like, they're fine. They're totally fine. You know? And I think if we can all just kind of take a breath sometimes and just be like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. That's cool. I like that. I like that too. And it's so true. That's actually my husband's slogan at the gym. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's like quote coach Lucas all the time. You'll be fine. Oh, uh, well, I'm not sure if I, you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucas, my soul compadre. Yes, you do. You're both uh, Enneagram type one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, speaking of going, I'm going to try and segue this because I think it is a segue. I'm not forcing it. Tell me if I am, but like being at the gym, not only are like for across the gym, for example, it's like one of the most connected places with community and whatnot. And so there's also, they're not only seeing mom go out and pick up a heavy barbell and, and ring the bell and all that, but then they're also getting modeling from essentially an entire class of kick-ass humans. Um, and I think it also is important to be intentional about who else we bring into our world to model for our kids as well, because at some point they're done watching mom do it. Like, okay, mom, like, I get it. You're strong, but like, or, or they're, you, as a mom, you tell them to do the same thing. Or you try and teach them the same lesson or model the same thing over and over. And it just like, doesn't stick. But then maybe you bring someone else into the picture who says the same thing or models the same thing. And they're like, did you see what uncle Austin did or what, you know, aunt Taz, um, and all of a sudden it sticks. And so um, do you, are you all, are you two, do you think often about who you bring in as kind of outside influencers for the kids as well? Yeah, we, we yes and no. Like I think for us, the ages between like zero and five uh, is all about us. I want us to be the biggest influence on their lives. And then I think the older they get, the more important for us is to have other adult friends, people that, that, that are influences. And then only around the age, none of our kids are here yet, at this age yet, but you know, uh, from 10, 11, 12 upwards, then I can see their peers being more important. A, because they're more important to them, but also mm-hmm. um, they would, whether we like it or not, they're gonna be the biggest influences on their lives. And I think the longer we can delay that, uh, the better, because <laughs> 10, 11, 12 year olds have no idea what they're doing. And to be influencing each other is just crazy. But I feel like if we get to a point um, from our own influences, our own modeling and our friends modeling and the teachers that, you know, that they go and play sport with, or if they're in like a little school, like those people that they're, they're seeing on a weekly basis, our friends, par- parents, or our friends who are parents of their friends, um, you know, we can, we can get them to a point where they can make these decisions um, themselves and we don't have to worry about it. That's, you know, that's kind of how we think about it. Like, I mean, the, the Gatorade's a great example. Like Oaks is eight and he, I mean, maybe his motive of not drinking it was because he thought I was going to kill his father. Um, so maybe like that might turn into like, oh, I don't want to drink this because it's not good for my body. But, mm. um, you know, I, I think that, yeah, getting to that that point where they can make their own decisions um, later on in life is is really what it's all about for us. I have been um, texted and phone called 
a number of times by a number of local moms about their preteen and teenage daughters, but also sons. Um, I run the teens program at our gym and, and have met lots of really wonderful young people. And, and yeah, I've been reached out to by, by parents who are like, okay, my kid needs help. They're not going to listen to me. I tried. They respect you. I need you to talk to them. I need you to talk to them about friendships, about bullying, about sex, about drugs, um, all this big stuff that comes up when you're a preteen and a teen. Um, so I've had the privilege of, of being that role model um, in a few uh, young young women and men's lives. Um, it's a pretty cool position to be in. Um, and I think I think definitely like as as a coach, you you can fall into that role a little easier than than as a parent. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's big stuff. I think it's really important. Um, we have, we have a lot of really strong female, they're all mothers, uh, the coaches at our gym and they're incredible. Um, they're just powerhouse women and they're mothers and they're incredible role models for anyone, whether you're a kid or a teen or another adult, um, they're all really amazing human beings. And so, yeah, I think, I think, uh, bringing the kids into those environments where, you know, that they'll be seeing, what is it, what does it look like? You know, I've got, um, my best friend is, um, she's a mother of two and she's currently, she's got a full-time job and she's running for uh, council in our municipal election. And the kids are always asking me about it and talking about it. And so cool for them to see, um, women doing big things doing amazing things, doing powerful things. And, and it's just, our, our world is changing. Um, and I, I think it's really neat to watch the younger generation and how they're absorbing what's going on around them. Um, seeing women in all different kinds of positions that just weren't a thing when my mom was a kid. I love that. So powerful. And for us, Evie's only, you know, she's not even four yet. Um, we aren't like actively seeking role models for her necessarily, but we are very, very flexible with who we want to be around and who we're willing to, you know, we talk a lot about energy um, and preserving it and prioritizing it. And so we are very flexible about who we want in our world and who we want to be around. And we want to, we're constantly selecting people in our world who are going to lift us up and push us to be better, like honor who we are, but also see our potential and push us to grow and to think outside the box and all that. Um, and so by default, I guess this is kind of one of those things that just happens, right? Is that her, the other adults in her world are, who are going to, she's going to learn from and hear from and witness her parents talking to in constructive, you know, conversation. And even if it's kind of like a disagreement, it's still one that's respectful and the, and where we're listening to each other and open to learning and growing. And so I guess that's where at this stage in the game, as until she's a little bit older still, um, you know, then she, and then we're, she's in a school, uh, part, like part-time and, um, we we're very selective about that. She comes on the other day and she's like, teacher just taught me, she's, or she's like, mom, guess what? Your nature and daddy's nature and I'm nature. And I was like, that is, that's incredible. You know? And then she's like, yeah, teacher just sh shared with that with us at school. And I was like, yeah, we're doing all right. <laughs> so like kind of picking and choosing too. Like it took us a long time to put her in any sort of school. And so choosing, I think that's a big, if she's going to be somewhere for eight hours a week, um, with another adult, like I want to be very sure that that person is modeling what we would hope. So, um, yeah. yeah, and just to speak to that too, Laura, I think like also like I want our kids to also experience um, 
what it you know our kids go to school a couple times a week with other kids and uh they have that school experience you know they're with mm-hmm. six or seven other kids and it's the same kids each time and um they go through disagreements and differences and Oaks will come home and be like, Oh, I wasn't allowed in this gang that they made. And, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, we'll make your own gang. Like, you know, like I, I, I'm not, we don't want to shelter our kids and I don't want it to sound like, you know, because we're like creating this and I'm sure you're the same, Laura, like creating this environment where we want them to be, but also I want them to go through those awkward transitions and those weird conversations where they're like left out of things and um you know but then they find confidence in that and create their own little gang and uh because that's all really important too you know and I think um that's important at any age like bullying is not okay for sure but just going through those every kind of day childhood things that you know we all had to kind of experience um is also important so Totally. And how cool that he comes home and like, mom, this happened versus just keeping it inside, you know? And oh, that, yeah. He didn't actually like, care. Modeling was, yeah, he thought it was weird. He was confused, like, yeah. He was like, there's like two people in their gang and they said there were too many people. And, and I don't understand because two is not very many. And, like, <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I don't think he even really cared either. Like he did, but he didn't. I think it was more like, this is weird. I've never come up against this before. You know, like, what is this like, like strange interaction we're having? And I felt like saying, yeah, that's life. Yeah. You'll be pushed out of gangs and teams and tribes and, you know, you won't be chosen for things and you'll be the last one picked and, um, and yeah, but you have to be prepared for it all. So uh, I think it's all good. Well, and by the same stroke, you might hear dad and I having an argument that's not pretty and, and you might, you know, we dad might not make it home from work or mom might have to stay late. And, and sometimes we aren't going to be the perfect role model for our children. Mm-hmm. And that's life too. That's a part of the learning journey. That's where they start to go, huh? Geez, dad sure works a lot. When I grow up, I want to find a job where I'm off early so that I can hang out with my kid after school. My, my son said to me the other day, I don't think I want to have kids. They seem like a lot of work. <laughs> And I said, well, you are a lot of fucking work, <laughs> but you're wonderful. But, yeah. but yes, you're right. Kids are a lot of work. I just asked Pat why he doesn't compete in uh, sport anymore. And he said, because of you. <laughs> Boom. And Oaks was like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you know. But, you know, there's, there's always room for, there's always room for improvement. And I think even if, even if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I haven't thought about all this stuff. And I wonder what, you know, what I'm projecting. I actually heard a really cool story today about a really good friend of mine, an old friend of mine who um, has two daughters and her and her husband quit smoking two months ago. And uh, they, after a little bit of getting it under their belts and knowing that, yep, this is it, they're committed they told their daughters that they quit smoking and they cried. The girls, the girls cried. They were so happy because they're old enough to know they're elementary school age, but they're old enough to know that smoking kills and it's not good for you. And that just, just my heart, I couldn't handle it, but it's just, it's so beautiful. You know, like you can, you can show, you can show that everybody is responsible for all the choices that we make and nothing is permanent 
you'll be fine, right? Like we'll be fine. We can, we can change our mind. We can wake up tomorrow and we can make Mm -hmm. a new choice Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and move forward from there. And that's a huge, huge thing to model too, is that it's okay. It's okay. If you make a choice that maybe isn't the greatest choice because we can, we can carry on from there, you know? Yeah, totally. Modeling that for sure. And and, and saying, I'm sorry. And I changed my mind and just like modeling to let go of the ego a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of it, because the ego can, yeah, man, controlling MOB or SOB, <laughs> <laughs> MOB. <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, I feel like that is kind of. I mean, we covered a lot, and I'm looking forward to more of these every single month. And um, just kind of want to close by if you're, you're watching this, you're a mom, maybe you want to be a mom, you love a mom, whatever, whatever it is that. Uh, we just hope that you know that you're doing a good job and like Maggie kind of just to reiterate what Maggie was saying is we're all going to mess up we're never perfect and there's so much actually power in that and always having space to grow and be learning and working and whatnot but even if you're in it right now and you feel like everything's a mess (laughs) just chaos pure chaos um, you're still doing a good job because you're you're watching this and you're connecting with others and you're seeking growth and betterment and and that's huge so just wanted to say that for sure 100% we are great grateful that you're here and also if you are heard if you're watching this around mother's day and and we understand that this holiday um can be complicated um what you know many of us have lost moms or have maybe complicated relationships with our moms and strange or whatever it is or we've lost you know pregnancies or babies and you know mother's day can be really really tough even in the joy and so just understand that there are mixed emotions and if this is a hard day for you that we feel and um, we want to honor you and that those feelings as well around this holiday. So um, with that, we just want to say thank you for being here. We're so grateful. Any final thoughts, ladies? Ladies. Um, you'll be fine. You'll be all right. <laughs> you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be fine. Very, very profound um, advice. I feel like that's probably those, some of the best words we could leave with. Maggie, anything? <laughs> No, I don't, you can't talk that. Fine. You'll be fine. You'll be, You'll fine. be fine. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank you both. And thanks everyone watching. And um, yeah, I'm grateful.